welcome to the Health Tech Podcast. Here we talk about everything healthcare and technology, and I'm your host, James Somaru. Hey everyone, this week I'm joined by Joel Goodrall. He's the founder of mental health startup MindUp. So Joel founded MindUp after experiencing his own mental health struggles brought on by spending months in and out of hospital with an undiagnosed physical illness. MindUp now aims to end the one-size-fits-all approach to mental health by ensuring that people have access to support from professionals across the entire mental health spectrum. So Joel, welcome to the Health Tech Podcast. How are you doing, sir? I'm very good, thanks, James, and thanks for the introduction as well. Oh, you're very welcome. It's, it's one you wrote, or some, someone in your team wrote anyway, <laughs> so I'm just reading it out loud, but I'm looking yeah. forward to hearing all about your company, man. Um, whereabouts are you speaking to us from today, out of interest? Just outside of London in Epping. Oh, lovely, lovely. I'm uh, I'm down in Weybridge, so sorry that way, so west. Um, but cool, man. So uh, listen, the way we start these podcasts is we get you to tell a bit a bit of your story. So from that introduction, clearly there's a story to tell here, and uh, it'd be great to hear the long version, if that's all right with you. Yes, absolutely. Um, so back in November 2018, I had an uh, out-the-blue undiagnosed health condition that started, and all the doctors that I saw, all the consultants, none of them could figure out what it was. I was constantly going back to A&E, suffering and um, being passed from one person to the other. And it was a very difficult time in my life because I was also working full time during this uh, in one of the top um, accounting firm, one of the biggest ones in the world with 20 plus thousand employees. And um, you'd expect, obviously, a company like that to have excellent mental health support for everyone. But as kind of I was experiencing months and months of this undiagnosed health condition, my mental health suffered and started suffering as well. And um, basically it reached the point after sort of three, four months of that, where I was kind of really reaching the end of my tether and I was experiencing kind of like deep depression during this time and depression that wouldn't go either. And it was the first time in my life that I've ever had that because usually it might come, it might stay for a few days, maybe a few hours, but then generally it would always go. But from what I was going through, it was just very difficult. I felt like I was fighting a losing battle each and every day. And uh, when I did actually have the courage to speak out and speak to my manager about my mental health, um, they didn't actually know what solutions were on offer within the company. So then I was, you know, pointed again somewhere else to regional HR and um, started off the process there. And then they were telling me about the process, which was speaking to someone else again. And then the only thing that they actually offered was just counselling. So one area of the mental health spectrum. Now, after going through that regional HR stage, I actually ended up giving up and um, and paying for counselling privately because what happened was, you know, I'm disclosing my story and reliving it again and again and again to different people when I couldn't even tell my closest family members or friends. So, yeah. you know, it became impossible then to start telling outsiders more and more people um, about everything. So, yeah, paid for counselling privately. <clears throat> and to my surprise, though, uh, it didn't actually work for me. I came away from my first session thinking I've explained kind of the problem that I was going through, but there was no solution. And, you know, counselling might have worked for me at other points in my life, but right at that point, I really needed something that could get me from A to B and something that was very solutions based. And um, I didn't know what that was. So I felt even more lost coming out of that session, counselling session, thinking, what do I do? 
I then after weeks of research online and after speaking to a lot of my friends actually um, came up with life coaching is what I needed after all that research and and things that I did and um, after that I had the problem of where do I find a life coach so I posted profiles I posted um, things on uh, you know these they have these directories I had a look at those and then I, I posted like a um, a profile, not not a profile, a um, a I can't remember what they're called now. You know, on these things, you can post something and then people respond to you. Not, yeah, not, like a marketplace type thing. Yeah, that's like it. An yeah. Upwork or a Fiverr for freelancers that, <laughs> that I'm aware yeah. of. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so I posted um, something on one of those forums, and Jermaine actually contacted me from wow. that. He thought he saw my profile and everything. And um, I had my first call with him and I just knew that he would, he was going to be the one to help me. We got along so well, even on the phone. And then he basically, um, we started the journey off together. Um, and I met him once because he lives in Wales. So we agreed the first session would be in person and then all the other sessions would be virtual. So he started helping me. And um, after a few sessions, totally changed the whole of my life around you know, and most of it was virtually as well. So it showed that it could be done on video and it was amazing. So I came out of that experience thinking, I want to show the world that there's no single solution to mental health and you've got to pick the one that's right for you. But then also I want to change the way organizations are doing things and really help others who were in my scenario before. And the third thing was I wanted to show that mental health doesn't have to mean mental problems and that you have to be at the end of your tether to reach out to them. You know, if I had reached out earlier on and I had a solution like MindUp, it would have been fantastic because, you know, things wouldn't have spiraled out of control. And I even now still see Jermaine on a monthly basis and I have some of my best sessions ever when I'm feeling at my best to keep me there. Yeah. You know, I, I really want to change this um, stigma that you've got to have a problem to seek mental health solutions. It should be for everyone at any point in your life. That's amazing, man. Um, and what a turnaround. And obviously you've, you've then gone on to found a company in this space, but we thought before we talk about that, it is interesting what you said about that whole big company mental health support. And certainly not to belittle this in any way, but I've seen, you know, memes flying around, very recently uh where you know it's it's mocked that big companies have this kind of lip service mental health stuff going on for problems that they are literally causing and it seems bizarre that companies at that sort of scale haven't really caught up to the fact that there clearly is a business model behind not just doing the lip service but actually doing the service because it's interesting like you said your best sessions with the mental health support that works for you, life coaching, but that could be, it could have been anything. It could have been CBT. It could have been this, could have been, that could have been literally anything, but, the, but whatever mental health support that worked for you kept you at your best. Now, if you extrapolate that to things like productivity and you extrapolate that to all the different things that matter to employers, there is clearly a case behind this. And I know that you know that because of the fact you have a very strong employer model based on what I've seen on your website in terms of, of, of how you're supporting this now. But that is interesting to me. I can see how it gets there. I've worked in the NHS, a huge structure that 
doesn't have innate mental health support. I can see how an organization will get there. And I can see how an organization that's publicly funded like the NHS will struggle to change their practice at scale in order to put that in. But for those companies that arguably have it easier, that can make those changes, it seems that for me, it's a, it's almost like a shame that it comes down to these types of stories and for people like you that then have to go and do it and build the model and all the rest of it. But clearly for, for the optimist looking at this, you're part of the solution now macro, right? You're not not just in, in, in trying to galvanize that strength yourself and solve it for yourself. You know, you're, you're then, um, whether you want to call it self-actualizing or whether you want to call it, you know, trying to solve a problem bigger than yourself, whatever it is, that's what you're now doing. And you're obviously getting the benefits of doing that too. But it's an interesting story that's got you to this point. And it starts at that kind of big company mental health support thing, which is one of the first things you mentioned. It's interesting to me, I guess, is all I'm saying there. Yeah. No, definitely. I think it's, it's such a needed thing. You know, we started off mind up um, with 400 employees with one organization across UK and Europe, the office group. And, you know, it's been just so well received by everyone from your small startups all the way through to global corporates. Like we've just launched a pilot. Um, we've just completed a pilot with the world's largest law firm, Denton's. Yeah. And so fantastic. Well, and as you can imagine, the mental support there would have been extensive for a corporate offering, but mm. we we're able to fill the gap. And, you know, what was previously offered in these big corporates is clinical solutions, which, you know, are normally branded as non-anonymous and that, you know, it's a very official process to start things off. And they're usually creating a one-size-fits-all approach. Yeah. You know, just offering a clinical solution that you're only actually going to turn to if you have an actual problem. Yeah. So that's the thing. And we went in there and what was fantastic is that we saw a 4x industry average engagement rate in our first month. We also saw a 6x um, increase in male mental health usage, something that they'd never seen before and struggled with. And then what was fantastic to see was that they then, after one month, signed up for a 12-month contract with us because of how well-received it was. And it really resonated with me because, you know, very similar structures to the company that I used to work for. And I could probably tell, you know, people must have been having the same experiences as me. So it's fantastic to see that change around and the acceptance of them really rolling this out and helping thousands of people now in the organization yeah so tell me about mind up then and i'm interested i suppose from from the entrepreneurship angle here of starting it and having having the idea turning that idea into reality how did that bit go yeah sure so um had the idea in april 2019 after jermaine helped me mm. And then, well, as he was helping me as well, but as I was coming over the first kind of um, hurdle with him and as he sort of really was starting to help me and I thought, you know, I've got to do this really and um, not only help others, but do it for myself as well and um, really show the world about this messaging. So then what I did is um, I joined a startup um, entrepreneur development program called the New Entrepreneurs Foundation. It's run by the Centre of Entrepreneurs. And that was really fantastic. My sister was on it the year before and wow. I saw the growth journey. And um, it's a great program. It's endorsed by Blackstone, McKinsey, Rothschild, CVC. Wow. Great program. And you're in Big a cohort. Names. Yeah, you're in a cohort <laughs> of um, 40 other young entrepreneurs as well. And you have in-person workshops. They also place you in a startup as well. So then you learn on, on the job. Wow. Every day. And then you run your own startup on the side wow. as well. 
What so, do you need to get into that program? It's pretty much, you know, like getting into a corporate job. You've got to do phone interview, face-to-face interview, assessment centre, you know, lots of different things. Wow. It's, it's a difficult process, but... I'd Did you get like a stipend it. for being in it? Were you paid to be there or was it is it out of your own pocket the time that you spend there? Uh, so what happens is because you're placed in a startup, you work in a startup as well. Got you it. Get on salary, but then you also get days off to go to your NEF days, which are the workshop days in person with your cohort, and they have guest speakers come in. Um, so it's really good. You know, they had um, like top CEOs from Tide Bank and lots Jesus. of other names come in to speak to us and teach us things, which was amazing. So I need to look this up. What's it called? The new. Uh, it's called the NEF, so New Entrepreneurs Foundation Program, and it's run by the Centre for Entrepreneurs. Got it. And a lot of big companies have come out of that. Have you heard of Unmind? The mental yes. health like that. That was um, one of the found, one of the founders of Unmind has come from NEF. Right. Do you know? Yeah, TLC Lions. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Gian Power has also been on the NEF program as well. Wow. There's some really uh, good sort of big businesses have come out of that too in the mental health space very cool very cool for those listening definitely check that out i will stick the link in the description of the episode uh very cool so you joined that program uh and and did you so you had the idea i suppose to what to scale the therapy that you had to scale the thing that you went through what was your idea at the time so my idea was really to show that there isn't a one-size-fits-all approach to mental health. It needs okay. to stop. And what was really, um, you know, I think I'd say disappointing to see was, you know, I, I obviously my company that I worked for previously, the big corporate, how can they offer just counselling? Then I looked at other companies. How can you offer just therapy? It's impossible. You know, mental health is, cannot be treated as one-size-fits-all. I then started looking online at academic research. There are countless numbers of papers academic research calling on um, mental health solutions to stop treating it as a one size fits all. I looked at, started looking at competitors, couldn't see any single one that was trying to stop this one size fits all. All of them are pretty much doing one solution or two solutions at a maximum. And it just uh, blew my mind at how the industry is being treated right now. So I was really on a mission to stop that, which will in turn obviously help millions of people around the world over you know, the next few years. So how, and let's go practical here. So how, how would it work? How does it work in terms of how do you monetize there's not one size fits all and getting an organization to pay you for something? Yes. So what happens is we would partner with an organization. They would then purchase a bundle of hours from us each month and employees get then free access to the MindUp platform. Got it. So they get access to the live one-to-one video sessions. We then also give educational content out as well including we run live webinars um, and every, so, every so often, which are hosted by industry experts as well. So it's a real 360 approach. You know, you're getting all the educational pre-recorded content plus live content that you can go through. And we've removed, removed all the barriers to mental health. We would build a custom portal for an organization that you don't have to go through anyone. If you're an employee, you don't go through anyone in the company. You go straight to your portal and we've made it so on demand that you can book in with someone within 12 hours into the future. Wow. Very cool. So putting that together then isn't the easiest thing in the world. Uh, There's a lot of buckets to fill if you're going to, you know, keep that whole ecosystem working with 
therapists of different types, uh, organizations signed up and linking them all together on some sort of platform. So there's probably a technical build there. How did you go about putting all of these things together and what team did that take in the early days? So good question. So the first thing I did uh, was try to actually see if the experts would think that this idea is good. So I started reaching out, meet, even meeting face to face, because this was before COVID, we're talking early 2019. Yeah, yeah. Face to face with life coaches, all different types of practitioners, and showed them my idea and said, Would you be interested in joining my platform? Cold calling on directories, different practitioners who are still with us today. So over 75% of our founding practitioners who I used to meet and ring and everything mm. were on a waiting list for months before we launched are with us today still, which is fantastic. And it was just overwhelmingly positive. Everyone wanted to join. Everyone loved the business model. No one had seen it before. And it was amazing. You know, when I said my story, every single person said, I'm so glad that you're trying to stop the one size fits all approach. You know, it is so refreshing to hear. It's something that we've never seen and we'd really love to be part of this. So um, it was great. So I had all of the practitioners ready to go on everything. I then um, started building... Um, building the platform which on you can see from the website that is a platform that i use no code um to build myself because i'm not yep. a technical background so i did that and we're still using that today which has been fantastic and then um and then basically we then started to see if corporates on companies and organizations you know from your start up to uh, large corporates would actually want to use a solution like this and you know seeing if they'd accept like a business model like that where they pay for employees and um, so we started with the office group, as I mentioned, in February 2020. It was overwhelmingly positive, just so fantastic. Everyone loved it. Everyone agreed with the mission. No negative feedback. Everything was positive. It was just incredible and resonated with me so much because, you know, I created this company to help others and to see it actually happening was just amazing, really. And then um, we started bringing on more and more companies off the back of that. And um, during my nephew year, this is where I was learning all the tools, techniques on how to scale businesses. This was actually my third business that I founded as well. So I had learned before I, I created a tech SaaS platform called Spinnacle before. Oh, um, interesting. Okay. Yeah. And then my second business was a business called Fruity, which raised a seed round with O2 um, as well. So I've had, you know, a lot of startup experience myself. And then even at Firedrop, the company, the AI machine learning startup, that was my host company on the NEF program where I was kind of placed into that was fantastic because um, I grew that company from seed stage all the way to series A we were raising when um, I actually left the company. So that was a great experience as well. Going from, you know, I was the, I was actually the first uh, PAYE employee. <laughs> no uh, way. The team, I think it was about nine of us when we left. Wow. It was amazing, really experience. Um, and what I needed for mind up as well to really grow it. Yeah, so this this gets interesting for me now because you've you've got experience, and I think it's interesting when you've clearly found product market fit extremely quickly so far in this story. As you said, very little, if any, negative feedback, but that only comes from what sounds like a hell of a lot of customer research and expert research and all the different stakeholders research right and it was only when you got all of those green lights did you then actually go and build something and even then you trialed it small probably with 
you know, the customer who had the ideal persona of a certain amount of type of people in there or that organization, it wasn't going to overwhelm the platforms that you had. It wasn't going to overwhelm the, the people or the tech or, you know, so there's probably a lot of nuance in there as to why it's gone very well. And you've sort of always been bulging at the seams and, and growing that way because you've always felt the pull and felt the demand. But I think a lot of that can come from experience. And I think, you know, being part of, you know, it's interesting, actually, you know, for, for people listening for that might be thinking of doing their own startup, I think what something that you said there about being part of a seed stage, in this case, AI machine learning platform, but that could have been anything, but being being part of a seed stage company that goes from seed to series A, there are so many hard yards there of finding product market fit, finding early traction, iterating every 10 seconds to make sure that you're just optimizing constantly for what's going to get you to that next round and show that traction to investors and all the rest of it. There's so much, there's so much importance that I would place in that, in that learning that I suppose you would have only found previously in those two companies that you founded that you're not part of anymore. So you've had that experience there. That's kind of the only way to do it normally is kind of start your own company and try and go through it and see what happens. But if you can be lucky enough or if you can be savvy enough to be the first hire in a company, first, second, third, all the way up to nine, you know, if you're single figures, let's call it employee into a company, the learning that you are going to do in that, in that phase is like nowhere else. And I think also, you know, it says a lot for your resilience. Well, either your resilience or the competency of Jermaine that you've gone, you know, you founded a couple of companies and then you've gone through this program and then you founded the successful one. You know, that says a lot about you as well, that you're willing to take the punches and roll with them and actually learn something and go again. I think that is extremely important as well. I'm interested in the SaaS platform. Um, not for what it was or why, it, you know, any, any of that. I'm, I'm more just interested in, I suppose, what, in your words, what did you learn founding those two, in fact, early companies that you then applied into what you're doing now at MindUp? I'd probably say the main learning point was of those two were assumptions. We made so many. <laughs> nice. <clears throat> So many. We thought we had the best product. We, you know, bought lots of stock up front with Fruity and, yeah. you know, we, we thought we had it all rather than testing it. And that testing and user research and everything before you actually then go into it properly and hard scale it was the key thing, you know, because it does take a few learnings that they, they always say, don't they? The saying that your first business is never your last. And it's so true. You know, at so the time, true. <laughs> you agree with it, don't you? You think, oh no, yeah. it will be last, but it never is. And, that's the key thing. And what, what I found is the two magic things is that when you find something that is not just a business, but you're passionate about and gives you happiness and fulfillment, then it's going to be something amazing. You know, and that's what, yeah. And that's actually what I find. I talk about, I, honestly, mate, I talk about this probably every week. The fact that most people on this podcast are just so motivated by actually what they're doing. I'm under no illusion that it can't be that way all day, every day. There's always overheads, as we've talked about on this podcast before. But if you are doing something that gives you the chance to just lean back every now and again and just go, hold on a minute, I'm actually working this hard for the right thing here. Morally, 
I'm on the right side of the table. Like actually when I think about how far I've come and the things that I even achieved last month, like, yes, we're on the right track. We're helping people doing the thing or whatever you're passionate about. I think, but yeah, the, the motivation's key. And I think there's so many of these personal stories that come through for people. And there's so many of these personal motivators that just mean you can run through a few brick walls a day because ultimately you're not just financially motivated. There's actually far more to it than that. And, you know, I see if I'm like scrolling through, I don't know, Instagram or TikTok or like whatever I'm scrolling through at the time, and you see a load of this like Amazon FBA and these entrepreneurs that are built like Lamborghini, like people, you know, it's probably nonsense, but like they're driving Lamborghinis because they're selling like, I don't know, plant pots on Amazon. And you're just like, okay, to a point I can fantasize about a life of doing that, but how long would I genuinely last watching feedback come in from people unhappy with the quality of their plant pot arriving two days late or something like having to, having to solve that problem versus what my game now of like, you know, how can I iterate someone's communication so they can get in front of the right people to actually sell their healthcare product? Like that's actually a problem worth solving. But yeah, I get it. Like I get that vibe of like, you, you can have the perspective, at least in the in the, the world that we're in, where you go, hold on a minute, I'm actually solving a decent problem here. And that's quite nice, right? Definitely. Yeah, yeah. It's all, it's all about value add, you know, because there, there's a really good example with this is that um, how do you describe happiness and fulfillment, right? Now, happiness normally comes from something that's, uh, you know, short to lived or temporary. Mm. You know, you're getting a job promotion, something like that. But then the fulfillment would come, say, if you got a job promotion from the extra variety of work and things that you have. So a great example that I've heard is uh, a doctor, right? A doctor might not be happy every single day of their lives, right? They might have tough days, they might have great days, but they will be fulfilled because they're helping people on a daily basis every single day, you know, day in, day out and changing lives. And that's one of the key things that I fill at mind up, you know, some days are very stressful and stuff, but I am happy and I am fulfilled because we're genuinely changing lives every single day. I, 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 so I get that. And I get that on a real visceral level because you often don't know what you have until it's gone. Right now, clinical medicine didn't give me ultimate joy, ultimate satisfaction. It, it didn't, it didn't give, I, I didn't love the science and I didn't love that. There was, there was a lot of it. I didn't love the things that I did love though but that's actually an interesting bit of language that you've given me it might not have been that there's bits that i loved actually there were bits that fulfilled me and i only realized that when i left because when i left i realized that there was a big side of me and it might sound cheesy corny whatever but there was a part of me that was very fulfilled by helping individual human beings every day and actually being part of it and 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 i don't know being being part of a a kind of a a closed feedback loop where you do something and then they thank you for it like that's there was something there that was missing for me when i left and i that's the bit that i felt most which is it was that human element i really really missed it and i wasn't fulfilled in that way from trying my hand at at the time policy or then uh, accelerators and helping startups but again when i the closer that i got to helping individuals the more that came back all the way down to what i do now you know working directly with founders to do stuff and then it, i've got that feedback loop back but like 
policy was too far away for me. Yes, you get it within teammates, but it wasn't close enough to, to the real value for me. And it's, it's, it's interesting. Yeah. Fulfillment. I, it's such a good point because I used to sleep so well and there was an element of my job I never needed to consider, which was that fulfillment layer. I, I never had to consider it, but when I left, it was something I had to consider and you have to practically add it into what you do in order to reach that point of contentment or, or whatever you want to call it. Um, yeah, it, 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 very interesting. Um, one thing that I wanted to ask you about was the fact that mental health doesn't have to mean mental problems. And I know this is the health tech podcast and we could talk about your tech all day, but I'm interested in this bit, right? Because where you've solved the problem here, I believe, is I imagine, I imagine like a massive lake with a tiny dam and then a, a, a massive like uh, river valley at the bottom with this tiny little river in it. And it feels to me like you've gone into an organization and you've unlocked something. So, something that you've done has just broken down that dam, right? And now there's just people pouring in wanting support. Do you think it's linked to this element that mental health doesn't mean mental problems and actually people are will that that gives people the freedom to just seek the continuation of a good level of med- mental fitness or do you think it was something else because i don't know that's interesting to me that you've unlocked something that you've there's some sort of barrier that people are feeling at scale that whatever you're doing is broken down so what do you think that is it's definitely removing the barriers to access as well as well as the messaging because let's say an insurance company offers clinical therapy and to do that you you know you might need a gp referral you might have to speak to the occupational health or your yeah. regional what when are you going to do that you're not if you're feeling some anxiety you're not going to be like oh let me just speak ring up my regional hr and let them know about this problem you know what i mean it's like or you know you're feeling unmotivated you're not going to ring up your line manager and maybe you know have a discussion on that because they might you know you don't want any negative implications so true do you so the key thing is is that now imagine you can literally go onto a website book in with someone within 12 hours and it's everything from you know your non-clinical to your clinical stuff you know and it can be a life coaching session or a, a career or executive coaching session or a mindfulness session as well and what we do with organizations is we run workshops with them to launch mind up as well all staff workshops i demo the platform i talk about my mental health journey and share that with everyone but then we also get their ceo to have used the platform beforehand and share their journey that's a really interesting step yeah we did that yesterday with sage housing and it was fantastic event you know we had three uh, we had four people actually from senior leadership team share their experience and it's amazing um, for cultural change. Yeah. Well, it's a leadership, isn't it? And it's, uh, it, it's yeah, definitely playing on that. How much, does, how much do you charge companies for it? Does it alter depending on the company size or anything like that? Yeah, so it depends on the number of hours. So we, we only ah, charge fair. rate 66.99 for an hour session. And, um, you know, industry average for life coaching is over £180 yep. an hour. So we're well undone. That's actually one of the things that I've actually stopped the price exploitation in the mental health space. Yeah. So people like Jermaine, people like Chrissy, previously, you know, £400 an hour plus minimum, see that level. But we've managed to actually stop that. And, you know, people like Jermaine or Chrissy, they will have 
you know, they're 400 plus an hour clients, but how many of them do they have? 10 to 15 a month. Suddenly yeah. got lots of other time in their diaries when, you know, they have to then pay for marketing, go in person for stuff, travel, whereas we can now fill that gap and give them continuous, fantastic clients and they can work from whenever they want, wherever they want as well. Nice. Cause I was going to ask you, yeah, I was going to ask you how you do that. And because part of the, Part of, I suppose, the the difficulty of mental health support is that it is often one-to-one and that's very, very difficult to scale. Technology has obviously given us means of doing that. You look at the likes of Big Health and Sleepio and Daylight and you look at, I mean, the obvious ones of like Headspace and Calm and all, all that kind of thing, the one-to-many model. Um, do you guys utilize any sort of technology to deploy a one-to-many model? Is it more that the technology is streamlining the bits outside of that one-to-one to allow them more time for more one-to-ones? I mean, how how is technology playing a part for you and how are you utilizing technology to run your business better and basically give people those sorts of prices? Yes. Yeah, so uh, we've got a scheduling system that you can go in there, you can um, tell us how you're feeling, then you can be match, semi-matched with a practitioner. Right. It optimizes to your time zones. So wherever you are in the world, it will then show you your local time, you book in your local time, which is fantastic. You've got things like languages present, where the practitioner is based, everything you need to make a tailored fit for yourself, along with the biographies, everything. And then what happens is we built our own video system as well. Ah, nice. Our own mind up video system. That is fully encrypted, HIPAA compliant, even for US clients. And it's fantastic because it's one-click video. So we use WebRTC technology, which means that you can click the link on any device, any location, and in your browser, begin your session, which is right. really good to download anything. And that's what we're really proud of. There's no barriers to entry. And this is becoming a bit of a theme here, isn't it? Because I think, obviously... If I was to if I was to guess what a lot of your early research showed was that whilst people might have the motivation to seek this therapy, as soon as they come across any sort of barrier, no matter how small, they'll probably stop or give them a, a reason to think about it more and then stop or whatever it is. So you're kind of playing on this notion that you have to make things as frictionless as possible because any small barrier for someone who is not doing so well with mental health, I imagine, or perhaps actually someone who is doing well with mental health, who just thinks, oh, well, actually, I'm not going to bother. You know, there's probably a load of reasons why why any small barrier will, or any kind of increase in friction is going to cause a problem. So there's a definite theme here that everything that you've done is towards a frictionless, as soon as you have the idea that you want to get this therapy, you can just get it done without any problems. It seems to be that that's a theme here. Would you agree? 100%. You know, we even offer 30 minute sessions, taster sessions for people. Yeah. That's the premise because, you know, I had a conversation with um, someone yesterday, even who couldn't decide between practitioners and they were going around in circles and circles. And I said, look, you know, I can recommend these three to you. And then even then, you know, the anxieties were just so much in that. And I said, look, why don't you just book in a 30 minute with each, try them out and see who's right for you. And then they've now gone and done that. You know, there's, there shouldn't be any of this, um, any anxieties around it or anything. You just got to go in, get it done and then see how you feel, you know, see who you gel with. And that's the whole premise of it. It's going to be easy support. And at the end of the day, the only there's no harm involved. It's only going to benefit. It's really interesting, you know, mate, because um, opening up myself here now. So yesterday, 
Uh, well, you know, I told you before we started recording. So Jess and I, who live together, we're partners in love and life and crime and now business. Um, we, the, the, Somex is a business that we're building, you know, and they're, they're obviously in growing any business. It's hard. There are ups, there's some ups and some downs. And because we're co-founders and we're partners, we can't, we can't talk about everything together. There has to be a means of us both being able to vent about things or discuss things that might involve the other person that you can't directly say. So there's, a, there's, you know, there's a bit of complication there. There's a bit of things that you need to think about and work out. And it was one of those days where, you know, I was feeling a bit of pressure and just, you know, vented to frankly the wrong person. Yeah. And it was Jess that suggested like, you know, sure, you know, you should probably have somebody that you can speak to about these types of things that isn't me because then we'll both benefit and the business will benefit. And I was like, great idea. And then sat for about 15 seconds and thought, how do I make that happen? And I was like, ah, that just seems like too much effort. And I've just, I've just not done anything. Even though I know for an absolute fact, it will be like majorly beneficial. It's not top of the to-do list stuff. It's not in the urgent and important column, arguably. Um, there's certainly an argument for the fact it is. But, you know, it's one of those things where like you're absolutely right the slightest bit of friction there that was like, I could Google it, but then I was like, oh, then you just get all these things. And I don't want the top Google search results anyway. And like, ah, oh, like, who do I actually go? I need to find someone I trust. I need to do this thing. And like, ah, so yeah, I get it. I totally get it. So I can totally see the problem that you guys would solve in that exact scenario of hold on a minute. There's probably a solution that you guys would do for me here. that Like would just be one click in a browser. Yeah, definitely. And the thing is, like, we fully vet all of our practitioners as well. So we've got a strict yeah. vetting process headed up by myself, Jermaine, and Jatinda. We've got we've got over 30 years' experience between us. And um, that's the key premise because we're looking not only for top qualified people, but people who have the right attitude and delivery style as well. Nice. So it really is personalised. I mean, the proof's in the pudding there, right? I mean, it's it's practising what you preach. Like, clearly, you've got messages that that – or things that you're repeating here that are clear kind of cultural things about your company, about this frictionless approach, about the fact that everything is truly personalized and you want it to be that way. The one size fits all model that you talk about, you're definitely going against that model. But I'm, I suppose the final question for me, it would be about a view for the future and what are you guys what are you guys looking to do here? What's the goal? Because you've got quite a lot of scale. Maybe just mention that, how, how much you've scaled because it's impressive and it's on your website. So how much have you scaled now and where are you looking to go? Yeah, it's just been an incredible journey. We've just closed. So we've been operating just over a year now. Um, February 2020, we launched 400 employees, as I mentioned. We're now servicing 50,000 across the whole world in 30 plus countries. We've launched multiple, we've, we've raised um, two funding rounds to date. We're about to do our third seed round at the moment. Um, we've also received fantastic backing now from um, one of the world leaders in private equity, CVC. Mm. We won their Young Innovator Award in August last year. We then worked with them. Uh, we had an, a volunteering program with the NHS where our practitioners were volunteering their time. I then worked with two um, of the senior leadership team at CVC to roll that out nationally and they gave us their charitable foundation gave us a grant now nhs staff have free unlimited access to our platform wow now over the next 12 months so if you know anyone in the nhs you can send them to mindupxnhs.com that's mindupxnhs.com and they can access free mental health support um which is an amazing initiative that's incredible man like congratulations that's amazing 
no, amount of people that could help. Exactly. Yeah. Cause you know, I, I had the volunteering program. We could only give about 20 to 30 hours a week sort of thing. And I thought, you know, there must be a way we can scale this and help more and more NHS staff during COVID because yeah. they definitely need the help. So then CVC were just so fantastic. And because I'd already had connections there through um, the NEF program and the young innovator awards, it was amazing really. Um, and then what happened is really fantastic in November I am um, uh, sorry in September actually of uh, 2020 is I actually got onto the um, London Stock Exchange mentoring program nice. program so that was great and I had the opportunity to pitch to their um, to their board in November of 2020 and uh, I ended up winning the competition which, um, they gave me a place on the uh, London Stock Exchange elite program and uh, that's a program that Skyscanner, Grazy, Toro have all been through. Wow. And several companies have IPO'd um, wow. on that program as well. So I'm on that now for the next year, helping us scale Mind Up. And we're servicing just, um, as I mentioned, yeah, over 50,000 employees now across the whole world. So it's just um, been a fantastic journey. Right, well, congratulations. It's uh, It's an incredible journey that you're on. And I think... You know, touching on that NHS thing just before we close, like I think that that's a really, really, really interesting one. And I, for one, would love to see the use of whether it's mind up or other things similar, right? Whatever it is, I just think normalizing the stuff that people go through in a hospital, getting some support for that as a normal form of practice. You know, when there's a cardiac arrest there'll be a debrief and then you just go back to work. If when your first patient dies on you, you know, you have a debrief and then you go back to work, possibly not even a day. Like there is so, there's so much stuff that goes first. When you give chest compressions for the first time, you might resuscitate a child for the first time. Like all of this stuff happens and you just have to go on. And it's strange to me. It might be different now, you know, 10 years ago that I did my junior years, but as I say, I would love to see this sort of thing normalized. Uh, I think the amount of help that you can have and definitely obviously via employers and, and everything that you're doing there is incredible. Um, and you're in a good cohort of uh, companies, the programs and stuff that you're on, man. It sounds like you're on a good path and uh, I wish you all the best of luck. Final, final question would be if people want to get in touch with you or to learn more about MindUp, uh, how would they go about doing so? Yes, yeah, so I'm happy for anyone to email us, hello at mindup.com. Uh, you can also go on our website. We've got a phone number there, which rings to um, myself and the team, as well as live chat support and everything. So, yeah, happy for anyone. I'm happy to answer any questions as well that you might have had on this uh, podcast too. Awesome. Joel, thanks so much. Thanks very much, James. Really enjoyed that. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening and making it all the way to the end of this episode. Remember to subscribe, rate us and leave a review and you can head to the description of this episode to follow me on all of my social media so you don't miss out on any of the latest health tech content.